around, let's welcome the chaplains, Scott's Edition, all the men and women in correctional facilities, love you all. Thank you, you can be seated. Well, we're in a uh, brand new series on the book of Ruth. I'm going to tell you about that in just a second. Uh, but I want to do something a little different today, and I don't know, Ella, if we can even do this, but let's just try it, okay? This is not pre-planned or anything, but um, I just know we're in the middle of this uh, building expansion, and so people are so gracious to be in the lobby. So I'm going to see if the, you can, I'm going to try, let's, we're going to try this, come on. Okay, so I'm going to try to come out to the lobby here. I'm going to go this way, okay? And I don't know if this will work or not, but you can come on with me if you can here. <laughs> Follow me if we can make a camera switch. Can we make it high? Sorry about that. And uh, so, okay, I'm going this way. And uh, I don't know if you can switch to this other camera here. Yeah, oh, that's good, yeah. So I want to give a shout out to the lobby. How good is this? Lobby. And then I just, I just wanted to... Uh, personally say to people that I know we're in a little inconvenient season in the life of our church, but we're just in the final stages of permitting it. And, and I just am so grateful to have people be so flexible in the life of our church and worship out there. In fact, I'm pushing it now, but I want to show you, this is the first lobby. You guys have the primary lobby, but there's a secondary. Can we, I don't know if we can do this. Uh, I'm probably pushing it now, but um, there's a secondary lobby. Matt, pull one of these lights on. Will you hear? Just, I'm going to pull one of these lights on here and so, see if this will turn on. I don't know if this is the light. Is this the light? So I want to introduce you to the secondary lobby. Thank you guys for just uh, putting up with this. I know it's amazing. I see a kid in there, but love you. And I just wanted to say thanks for being flexible. I really appreciate it. The Yankees, that's a good choice. Shows discernment. So come on, give it up for the lobby. Can we hear today? I'm going to turn this light off to you. And... Uh, I'm going to come back through here if I can and do one of these here. And how are we doing? I'm used to seeing you on the front row, backsliding. And uh, uh, it's okay. I'm sorry, but the, the wind and the, now it's going to catch. I'm going to turn this off for one second here. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for putting up with that. Man, I just asked the production team, Ella, if you could do that like three minutes ago. And I just want to thank God for a production team that's so gifted and flexible. <laughs> Y'all are amazing. And you can leave. I'm not going to do anything else. I know you're like, I'm just, I, let me just do my thing now. So uh, just catch my breath for a second. Huh? But uh, I wanted to let you know, man, we we're making huge progress. In fact, we're in the bottom final stages of like picking out seats and, and speaker, like all the final uh, 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 connections in the process. So be breaking ground. You'll see lots of action out there very, very soon. So huge thank you to those of you that have been a part of the next series. And I just want to show people online because some sometimes churches build buildings because they want to. And sometimes churches build buildings because they have to. Come on, somebody. And so, so thank you for your flexibility. Well, we're in a series on relationships because February is love month, okay? Come on, just turn to the person next to you and tell them it's Valentine's Day this month. Come on, tell them that. Yay. 
So you just need to know that. And so we're going to spend the month of uh, February um, just looking at what God has to say about relationships and, uh, and God's good plan for our relationships. And in fact, our world is shouting messages about love and romance and sexuality. But how many know God created us and he has a plan for our relationships? And so we're going to spend the month of February kind of on this series, Bad Dates, Roommates, and Soulmates from the book of Ruth. And it's a, it's a four-chapter little book of the Bible, the eighth book in the Bible, written about 1200 B.C. And it, and it just, I mean, it's got everything. It's got tragedy and loss, and it, it's got awkward first dates, and it's got, it's got boy meets girl, and it's got, it, I mean, the, the man in the book, his name is Boaz. Come on, somebody. How many know that's a real man? Boaz. I mean, he, he's got it all together. He's got a good job. Come on, somebody. Uh, how many know, somebody asked me, what's sexy in a man? I said, a job. That's what's sexy <laughs> in a man. <laughs> and, uh, and, he, and he loves Jesus, and he, he's single. Uh, it's just an incredible story, and God brings he and Ruth together in his sovereignty. And so we're going to learn God's good plan for our relationships. In fact, Jesus said if he had to summarize the whole Bible, it would be in two commands. Love God with all your heart and learn to love people, your neighbor as yourself. And in fact, one of the, one of the epistles says, how can you say you love God whom you don't see but hate your, hate your uh, fellow man whom you see? And so one of the things God wants to do is grow us in our relationships. And we're going to look at that for uh, the month of February. But um, sociologists wanted to get the most untainted view of love they could think of. And so they, they actually ask kids their definitions of love and to give some thoughts. And I just love some of the things they said. Rebecca says, when my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis too. That's love. Come on. That's love. I think that's right. Billy, age four, when someone loves you the way they say your name is different, you just know your name is safe in their mouth, right? That's really good. Carl needs some work here. Carl says, love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on shaving cologne and they go out and smell each other. We got to get some work with Carl, okay? Chrissy says, love is when you go out to eat and somebody gives you most of your french fries without making them give you any of theirs. That's love. Terry, I love this, age four, says, love is what makes you smile when you're tired. That's love. Danny, love is when mommy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure it tastes okay. Age eight, Emily, love is when you kiss all the time. Then when you get tired of kissing, you still want to be together and you talk more. My mommy and daddy are like that. They look gross when they kiss. <laughs> this one I think is really good. Love is what's in the room with you at Christmas if you, if you stop opening presents and just listen. That's pretty, that's pretty good. Isn't that pretty good? I love Nika right here. If you want to learn to love better, you should start with a friend you hate. That'll preach. <laughs> Love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt and he wears it every day. <laughs> My mommy loves me more than anybody. You don't see anybody else kissing me to sleep at night. That's good. Love is when your puppy licks your face even after you left him home alone all day. Somebody said, if you want to know who loves you more, your dog 
or, or your spouse. Lock them both in the trunk for a day and see who's happy to see you when you let them out. <laughs> I don't really know why I said that. And I don't condone that. <laughs> if you're new here. <laughs> Love is when mommy sees daddy on the toilet and she thinks, doesn't think it's gross. Come on, Mark. Come on, Mark. You really shouldn't say I love you unless you mean it, but if you mean it, you should say it a lot because people forget, right? So what is love and what is marriage and what is God's good plan and, and how, do we, how do we deal with our relationships? The, the writer of Proverbs told us how important relationships were. When he warned us against doing life alone, he literally said that whoever isolates themselves seeks their own desire and breaks out against all sound judgment. And so how many know God has made us for community and relationships, right? He's made us for connection. He's made us to, 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 to connect with one another. In fact, I think that was one of the hardest parts of this season of COVID when the world shut down was just, I mean, all of us for a week or two were like, this is cool. We'll have family time. And then come on, somebody, it just got weird to be alone, right? In fact, I'll never forget, God gave our team the idea of doing this back in, right at the start of COVID, a drive-through communion, right? And we were like, this is a weird idea, but, you know, everything was weird at that time. So we're like, we're just going to do drive-through communion and see if anyone, no one will come. I mean, and and let me tell you what drive-through communion was. It was very sophisticated. It was just a table and some communion. And then people would like roll down their window a little bit and we would throw... A communion in and then I was like I don't know like I'm like shouting the night Jesus was you know I'm a, and, and and I'll never forget it the line all the way out the parking lot down the street and another pastor said tell me about this drive-through communion I was like there's nothing to it nothing cool about you just threw we just put through these cups in people's cars and he said, well, then why did so many people come? I said, I don't know. I think it's because we realized how much we were made for connect. I just wanted to see somebody's eyes. Come on, remember, remember the days you just wanted to pull down the mask and be like, it's me. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> God's made us for community. God's made us for connection. God's made us for relationships. In fact, today's the last day of group leader training. But over the next week, would you just take a second and kind of scroll through the small group directory? We're launching a bunch of, a bunch of groups uh, this semester because we are just more committed than ever that people don't have to live life alone. They don't have to live disconnected with all of our of our um, uh, our. our gadgets that connect us all of our electronics i think we're living in one of the most isolated and alone generations and we're here to put a stop to that at the chapel we're here to help people find community and connection and togetherness can i get a big amen to that right that's what we're all about so let me show you in this little book of ruth we're going to talk today a little bit about god and i'm getting a little bit about marriage advice and a little bit for singles come on any singles in the room just Raise your, raise your hand up if you're single. Come on, just look around. If I was single, I'd be looking around too, but I'm, just, I'm helping you already. And, uh, but the book of Ruth begins like this. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And so this little book of Ruth, only four chapters, eighth book of the Bible, tells the story of Ruth. And, and, and it sets the context of it in the days when the judges ruled. Judges is a whole book of the Bible in the Old Testament. And the theme of the book of Judges is when everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And you know, I think that's exactly what we're living in in our own culture. We live in a culture that believes everyone should establish what's truth for them. 
Well, I need you to know this this weekend. That leads to moral chaos in a society. If all of us, I mean, imagine if we went out on the road today and all of us got to decide our own rules. Like, I'll decide which side of the road I'm going to drive on. I'll decide if red means go or stop, you know. It would just result in chaos. And that's what happened in the book of Judges. It's a very dark book of the Bible. In fact, there's murder and, 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 and chaos. And those of you that are like crime show junkies, you would love the book of Judges. My wife always is listening to a crime drama. Come on. Where, where are the people that you like Dateline and murder shows? Come on, just raise your hand. Evil people in the room here. <laughs> In fact, I've been saying this a couple times just to get it on the record. If I ever come up missing and you can't find my body, she did it. She knows she's watched enough of these surely to make a body disappear. So does everyone hear what I'm saying? I didn't run away. I wouldn't do that. She made me disappear. And the book of Judges is just, it's like that. It's a book of, of chaos and anarchy. In fact, one guy kills a guy and chops him up and mails him around the country. It's like... It's like Netflix, normal Netflix, you know what I mean? Like, and, and it's a dark time and a chaotic time, and I think that's where we're living in the world. In fact, that's why I want to take a, a month to talk about it, because I think the world is saying, however you feel, whatever you do, whatever you want, however you think you could do whatever you want, whatever makes you happy, and God has a better plan than us just doing what we think or feel. God offers some guidelines not to restrict us, but to bring us joy. How many know when you put a fish in the water, saying that fish should stay in the water, that's not limiting that fish's freedom. It's allowing them to do what God designed them to do, right? So God does the same for us. And, and what, what the book of um, Ruth is about is a famine is in the land. And what happens is this girl Ruth and her mother-in-law Naomi, they're in a place called Moab, because there's a famine in the land. They actually leave the town of Bethlehem, which means house of bread, and they go to Moab, and they, they chase uh, after a solution to their human problems. And in isolation, the whole book of Ruth, chapter one, is pain. And I'm just reminding us this weekend that we need biblical connection, that we weren't created for isolation, that we were created to be connected and and when Elimelech is Naomi's husband and, and they all move out of God's plan, chaos hits their life. And in fact, Ruth chapter one is one of the saddest chapters of the Bible. Ruth's husband dies and, and her sister-in-law's husband dies. And their mother-in-law, Naomi, her husband, there's three widows in chapter one of the book of Ruth. And, and finally they decide they're gonna head back to out of Moab, back to Bethlehem, to where God has them. And they're in a moment of poverty, and that's where we pick up this weekend. The Bible says that Ruth went out and entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. Now, here's what was set up in the ancient world. God set this up, that if you owned a field and you harvested it, you should, if you dropped any grain on the ground, you should leave that for people that were poorer than you. And they allowed people, just as a way of supporting and loving them, to, to come through and to pick up the, the grain that was on the ground to sustain them. And that's what Ruth is doing. She's a widow who has no resources, who's from Moab, but now living in Israel, and she's alone. And the Bible says she goes to glean in a harvest field. And I love these words. We're going to see how important they are this morning. It says, as it turns out... She was working in a field belonging to Boaz. Time out. Boaz 
is actually, the Bible says, from the clan of Elimelech. So let me explain that. It means in the ancient world, when a widow lost, when a woman lost her husband and became a widow, the extended family, if there was any single men, they, one of the ways they would redeem that widow is they would have the obligation to first marry that woman to, to allow security and togetherness. It was a way of, of, of caring for one another. And Ruth just goes out one day and randomly picks a field to gather grain in, and she just so happens to be in Boaz's field. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Boaz. Boaz is single. Come on. Boaz is a man's man. Come on. I mean, his name is Boaz. Come on. Mm. Boaz. Come on. We'll call him Bo for short, right? Like Boaz. I mean, this is the guy. He's got a job. He does really well. He's single and ready to mingle. I'm telling you. Boaz is the total package and the author says that Ruth just so happened and not only that not only is he single and godly and loves Jesus and and has a relationship with God and puts his spiritual life first not only does he have a business he not only is he single but God's gonna bring how many know that as it turns out is is literally like a human way of saying can you can you believe this was just circumstances in fact we believe that the author is trying to get us to say something like this no uh I can't believe it as it turns out. She just so happened. How many know for the follower of Jesus Christ, there is no coincidences. God leads and God guides and God directs. And God guides us. And I want to just share this with you this weekend because I think it's so helpful. We think God only works in the big things of life, but he works providentially in the circumstances of life. And some of you this weekend need to hear that you can trust in the hidden hand of a good God. Meaning sometimes God works through the big miracles of life and other times he just lets you stumble in a field, but he knows Boaz is there. (laughs) And he's leading you through the ordinariness of life to guide you by his purpose and plan. In fact, early this morning, we we started parking a little bit at Clover Hill High School, some of us to make some more space. And I was walking on the, uh, the sidewalk to the building and I was talking to a guy at like 7.45 this morning. And he shares with me a story. I said, how long have you been in Richmond? Well, I just got back here from Charlottesville. He said, I moved to Charlottesville for a job, but that's where I met her. And he points up to his wife. And she goes, yeah, he thought he was moving for a job, but he was moving for me. And I was like, you all are preaching my sermon. Because it, as it turns out, it wasn't your job that led you to Charlottesville. It was that God had her for you. And I, and I looked at him and looked at her, and I actually said to him, and she's too good for you. Only the Lord could have led this together, you know. <laughs> How many know God leads and God guides, right? And he leads sometimes providentially. The, theologians call the word providence, which means video to see, pro ahead. It means that God can see ahead what needs to be done. And what we think is just the ordinary experiences of life. No, 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 no. The Psalm says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights, I love this, in every what? Every detail. God has the details of our life worked out. I'm here to remind you there's no coincidence. There's no, I can't believe it. There's no, whoa, that just happened the way it just happened. God is at work. In fact, Charles Spurgeon says, even the dust mites of the air are determined their direction by the Lord. Have you ever been sitting and watching the sun shine through the air and you see all the little dust particles? Is that not disgusting, right? 
God's saying that literally the circumstances of our life, the details of our life, where we go, what we, I'm just telling us today, we don't have to press to make it happen. If we're in the center of God's will and trusting him, our God will lead us in the details of our life, right? So Ruth is in this field and I want you to see Boaz arrives and it's awesome. Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you and the Lord bless you, they replied. I love that Boaz was a man who was spiritual, even in his business. He said, the Lord bless you. And Boaz, I like this. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, um, who's that girl? How many know just because you love God doesn't mean you're blind? Come on, somebody. Like, I haven't seen her before, you know. I mean, some of you have been praying a lot, and I'm for that, but you should open your eyes, too. I'm just, this is free preaching. And uh, who's she? And they say, well, she's Ruth. And he says, oh, man. So Boaz goes to Ruth. I love it. And he says to her, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field. And don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. And watch the field where the men are harvesting. And follow along after the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. And where, whenever you are thirsty, go get a drink from the jars that the men have filled. Okay, so he says, I'm going to take care of you. Uh, come on here. And watch how wise Ruth is. It's kind of, she's kind of like, what, what, are you, what are you looking for? She says, at this, she says, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you'd notice me as a foreigner? She doesn't immediately say, you're so good to me, let's get married. How many know some people rush it too much in this whole thing called dating? Come on, love at first sight. I don't know what that means. I get it a little, but you need to follow up your sight with a whole lot of like letting your mom meet him. Come on, somebody. Uh, okay, and, and Boaz replied, look at him. He says, I've heard, about, I've heard about all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before. May the Lord bless you and repay you for what you've done. Here's what he's saying. I'm, I've noticed your character. I've not just noticed you in the field, but I've noticed your character, your reputation precedes you for what kind of woman you are. May the Lord, may you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to find refuge. Here's what I want to say this weekend. Maybe just write it down. Single people, you need to become the kind of person that you're looking for is looking for, okay? So I see some things in Boaz and Ruth that are really special. And I, th- I want to just take the next price seven minutes, and I want to talk to men for the first half and hit them pretty good, okay? And then the women will be like, amen, amen, and then I'm coming to your neighborhood. Is that okay? I hope in the next couple minutes kind of offend everyone in the room, and I hope you come back next week. But I just, I see three things in Boaz's life that I think real men have. And, and the first one is real men, he, just, he has a spiritual life that's connected to God. When he shows up in the field, he says, the Lord bless you. And his workers reply, the Lord bless you. Meaning he's given even his business over to God. He has a walk with Jesus. Women, I think one of the things you're looking for, single women and a man, is somebody who loves Jesus. Somebody who has the same faith relationship that you do. Somebody who's, who's not apathetic or passive. And Boaz has that. He's a man you'll see in the next few weeks. He's patient and discerning. His wisdom's overwhelming. I mean, this guy is kind of the whole deal. And Ruth sees that in him. This is a guy who brings his faith to work. And not only that, Ruth, uh, Boaz gets together all of his male workers and he says, nobody touch her. Basically, he said something like this. I own a lot of fields around here. If any of you touch her, they'll never find you, okay? 
Here's what he's doing. He's protecting Ruth. And let me just say this, because there's so much talk in our world about toxic masculinity and strength that I think the danger is almost to say that men ought to be weak. And I just, I feel, I felt like I should say this today. I don't want to offend anybody. I'm not against chauvin, I'm against chauvinism and all that craziness. But I just want to say, I do think God has created men to be protectors of women and children. The Bible says in general, first Peter, that women are the weaker vessel. This doesn't mean in any other way except physically, normally men are stronger. Meaning if I bring my wife up on the stage and we arm wrestle today, I'm going to win. If you don't believe me, I'll do it after. I'll prove it. I'm not afraid. And I'm just telling you, you even have a little boy. You have, I have little kids, little boys. You realize men were made to do something. Like men, my, my boys, I was just like, carry something. Because they need to just do, if you don't put something in their hand, they do, that, so you got to give them a job. So I'm here to give you men a job. We ought to be prov- providers and protectors of, of, of the women and children in this community. There ought to be an army of men who are not passive and weak, but who use their strength not to domineer, but to protect. I want to believe this weekend that if somebody walks in this back door, that there's a lot of people who love Jesus, but if they're here to cause trouble, I want to believe that there's a group of men that are going to stand up and take care of that issue. I'm just curious. I want to know who they are. Come on. I just pause so I can feel good. If that's you today, you'll take care of it. Come on in the lobby too. Come on, raise your hand. I know we got Officer Mike, but the rest of us will help too. And if, if you're packing, let me know after service because I would love to. I mean, I'm not endorsing it, but I just wouldn't hate to know a couple of you are. So there's this picture of men protecting women. It's a picture of relationship with God. There's a picture of using strength to protect. And then he, take, he literally tells his workers, he tells them, drop extra grain on the ground because I want Ruth to have even more. Here, here's what I see here. He's generous with his stuff. He's not stingy. He's generous with his business. He understands his business is the Lord's and the, he wants to give what he can to the Lord and the needy around them. I think this is true of godly men. They not only are productive, they're generous. So if you're dating a guy and he's never paid for anything, <laughs> next time you're at dinner, say, here's what the pastor said Sunday. You need to cover this or you ain't no Boaz, okay? Come on, this is spiritual, but I think we need some of that up in here. And not only does Boaz have something, but, but, but Ruth is special. And he actually says, may you be richly rewarded because you've sought refuge under the wings of God. So, so I think, can I just talk to the women here for a second? I know I came at the guys a little bit. I'm, if I can't, I'm, I'm sorry because I have to. And... Uh, The first thing is, God was at work, but so was Ruth. In fact, the only reason she can pick up grain is because she's out there working. And I think God God has called women and men, but to have a strong work ethic. In fact, I'm convinced, I just want to say this to everybody, that our culture in some ways has honored laziness. And and I just think God blesses those who work hard. in fact, Adam and Eve were put in the garden and meant to tend it. God's created us to be productive and active. And yes, God was at work in Ruth's life, but so was Ruth. <laughs> she was getting extra in the field because she was in the field. God didn't say there's a delivery service of DoorDash that's bringing grain to your door. 
He provided for her in the field. And I want to say, just because I know people will ask me, isn't it a lot of work to be a pastor? I, I, I see my wife. I don't work as hard as my wife. In fact, every once in a while, I'll watch her around the house. And I'm like, you need to sit down. And she's like, well, maybe you need to stand up and help me. And I don't receive that. So uh, I have a strong work ethic. I love also the wisdom. I love the wisdom that Ruth shows. Boaz comes at her strong with provision, and she doesn't jump right into the relationship. She asks a clarifying question, why are you being good to me? Meaning she's not going to be like, oh, his heart. He's wonderful. Have you seen his eyes? She has a little bit of like a, huh? What you want? You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And, and there's a wisdom there. There's not a rushing into relationship. There's a discernment there in all of that. And Ruth has that. Why are you doing what you need to do? And then ultimately, I love this about Ruth. She's trusted in God, not in people. In fact, do you know that Ruth is from the land of Moab? She's chosen to move to Bethlehem. She's a foreigner in a foreign land without her family, meaning she's at the most risk she's ever been in her life. But something about the God of Israel has grabbed her heart and she's following God. And now she just has to trust God to provide for her. There's something special about Ruth. In fact, amazingly, the tribe of Moab is from Lot, uh, Lot's descendants, which, you know, he's a bad dude. And, uh, and I'm just telling you this, Ruth ends up not only meeting Boaz, I'm going to, I don't want to skip ahead and tell you everything, but up to this point, Ruth has lived 10 years with her first husband before he died. And she's been unable to have a child. So by all like earthly measures, Ruth must be wondering after 10 years of being unable to have a child, is, is that in the cards for me or not? What she doesn't know is that she's going to move from Moab, trusting God, to Bethlehem. She's going to meet Boaz. He's going to be kind, gracious, love Jesus. There's going to be a little, wait till we see it in a couple weeks. There's going to be a baby on the scene. Woohoo! Little Boaz. And this baby is going to be make Ruth the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus Christ. What Ruth doesn't know is that her life began in shambles and began with loss and devastation and barrenness and pain and loss. But because she trusted the God under his wings, she would find refuge. She's going to literally have a book of the Bible named after her and literally be the, I mean, that feels like a strong pedigree to me. Who's your family? I don't know. One of them was Jesus. You know what I mean? How many are grateful that God works through grace and mercy in our lives and shows himself strong in every way? But I want you to see, she doesn't know at this moment when she leaves her homeland, anything's going to happen. The only thing she knows is she's headed to the place. They returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth. And literally, here's what they're doing. They arrive, they're just going back to the place that God's supposed to be at work. And they're trusting God in the middle of it all. And I'm just telling you today, when we give our lives to God, God works it all out. Maybe just write this down. We need to return. Some of us need to be reminded of this. We need to return to the place of, come on, say it with me, the place of what? God's provision. It's a place of return. I remember the first time it was about, uh, I don't know, my mind's blanking. Almost 20 years ago that Katie and I were getting ready to buy the first house that we uh, bought. And we're in Binghamton, New York, and we looked, we looked at a house that Katie wanted to buy really bad. 39 Lincoln Ave, Binghamton, New York. And uh, It was a house built in the early 1900s, and I'm not handy at all. I don't know how to do anything. 
pretty well what you're seeing is all I can do. <laughs> and uh, but she loved this house. I remember looking at the house. It had this old trim. She loved the old house. Old trim that was Pepto pink, though. That's, you know, that's like everywhere. And I was like, oh. Finally, what sealed it for me was we went into the attic. And when we stood in the attic, I could see the clouds. And I was like, I don't think you're supposed to see outside, inside. You know, the realtors were like uh, tons of potential. You know how realtors always have a phrase? Like tons of potential. This whole thing should be leveled, you know. Potential demolition. I mean, like, this is a problem. And so we made a decision to not. Katie was like, all right, if you don't think this is the house to buy, fine. We'll buy the house you want to buy. And I said, okay. A few years later, we are getting ready to sell that house, and we were going to buy a new house. And one of the guys in the church there in Binghamton said, well, I'm selling my house. You should see my house. So I said, text me the address, and I'll never forget when my phone lights up. 39 Lincoln F. Are you for real? You bought the house Katie wanted to buy? He's like, really? And I was like, okay. I was like, well, we're still not going to, it needs so much work. And then, oh man, I pulled up and he had fixed it all. Uh oh. Walked in, all the pink, Pepto pink trim was white. I went into the attic and I couldn't see the sky. I remember walking down the staircase it had like an L to it you walk down the landing and then straight I remember seeing Katie standing in the foyer just or in the foyer yeah just crying and I was like I feel like I'm about to be buying this house <laughs> maybe you just think that's total coincidence maybe you think it's total coincidence that five years before we stood in that same house and the desire of her heart was that house and a guy in the church bought it, texted me the address, fixed it up like I couldn't and then made me buy it. <laughs> we loved that house so much we owned it for five years when we lived in Richmond. It was the house that kept on giving but that's another story. <laughs> but I'm just telling you this, you might think that's coincidence but I'm telling you, there's more going on to my wife and me. We knew more was going on than what was going on. And I'm here to tell you, so many times we want God to just work in the big, bold miracles of life. But you know what he's doing? He's working in the subtle, monotonous, everyday details of our life. He's planting seeds of his providence in the coincidences. And maybe you're new here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not even into religion. That whole story's about coincidences. You can believe it's about coincidences, but I got like 50 more stories like that of how some random things, as it happened to turn out, happened that way. And I'm just telling you, eventually enough thing, as it happened, happened, that it couldn't have just happened, that it happened. Come on, it couldn't have just, as it happened, that Ruth is in the Boaz with all the chest hair and the good job and the kinsman redeemer, and he's going to be open to her and he's going to marry and she's going to give birth to Jesus. I'm telling you what, when God was, Ruth thought she was picking a field, but God was directing her to the exact place where her life would be forever changed. And I'm so grateful that we serve a good hand of a subtle savior who works in the details of our life. We cannot always understand it and trace it. But have you ever just looked back and thought that was no coincidence? God was at work and there is no human explanation for what happened, except that my God's been strong in my behalf. 
The challenge today isn't to get it all worked out. It's just to return. Ruth never knew she was walking into the field God had for her. All she was doing was putting herself back in the place where God wanted her, and he was going to work it all out. Here's what I'm saying today, and then I'm done. Your job is not to know all the details of your life. Your job is only to put yourself in the place that God wants you to be and let him work out all the details of your life. He's good enough. He's smart enough. By the way, he doesn't really need our help. And most of the time when we get involved, we mess it up anyways. But when we trust in the good hand of a sovereign God, God can work it all out in his timing, in his will. For I know that God works all things together for good to those that love him and have been called according to his purpose. Jeremiah said, I know the plans God has for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and give you hope and a future. And the promise for us today is if we trust in God and seek first his kingdom, all these other things will be added to us as well. It's just saying, uh, us saying, I'm going to return. Would you bow your heads with me in the main room and lobbies, Scott's wherever we are today. We're almost done. I'm going to pray in just a second. But I wonder if there's even people here today. You say, Pastor, I need to return. I need to return to what God has for me and where God has me. Maybe you've never followed Jesus and today's the day to come home, which is back to a relationship with your creator. Maybe you flat out wandered away from your faith and today's the day for you to come back to him. Nobody's looking around. I won't embarrass you. I'm not going to single you out, but I would love to pray for you. I'm not going to drag it out, preacher style. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm just going to ask you and give you a chance to say, Pastor, would you pray for me today? I need to return to a relationship with God. Nobody's looking around, but if that's you today, you say, Pastor, I need to return to a relationship with God. Just lift your hand up and put it right back down all over this room. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Anybody else? Just yes. Thank you. 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 Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me today. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Pray for me today. I need to return to relationship with God. Yes, young man. I see that. Right where you're seated. Could be on the playback. Could be in a lobby. Could be in the jail. The cry of your heart just says something like this. God, I know you love me. And I know you proved it by sending your son, Jesus. So today I give you all of my brokenness, all of my attempts to fix myself. I turn away from my sin and myself. And I place my faith in Jesus Christ. I believe he died and rose again. Today I'm inviting you, God, to take over my life. And by your grace, I'll serve you all the days of my life. I give you who I am. Totally, God, I'm yours. For I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at me for just a second. If you prayed that prayer, that's why we exist as a church. We call it, we exist to help people come to know God. And you mean it in your heart. We believe that could be a changing moment. The Bible says old things are passed away. All things become new. So we just want to welcome you to the family of God. Can we do that today, Chad? Welcome you to the family of God. Welcome to the family of God. You can email us. You can take a, a, a card and check it off. Drop it at next step. We just want to help you grow in your faith. We won't stalk you, but we'd love to send you an email of how to... 
how to grow in your faith, how to know Jesus, how to start in this walk and this journey to live for him. We'd love to do that. Come on, let's stand together in the lobby and in the, in the other lobby and in Scottsdale. Come on, just hold your hands like this all over the room. So God, we surrender our relationships to you. I'm gonna sing just a chorus, not a whole song, but just a chorus. But God, we surrender our whole, all our relationships this month, God. Bless marriages, bless families. Bless sons and daughters, oh God. Build your church. We submit to you. Sing no one beside you.